Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, joined by a very good friend of mine, Cody Frankel. We got a great interview today with Mike McKenna from the Daily Faceoff NHL Network, a 14-year professional goalie. So a lot of cool stories from his playing career and his shift into media. Um, We don't really have much else to talk about, but Cody, I'm just going to send it over to you, man. What's going on? How you doing? Doing well, man. I'm uh, making some sweet potato fries right now. That's so um, hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it is hot. I'm like sweating because the oven's going, but no, it's good. Um, You know, cruising through the week and excited for our interview with Mike. Not really much Rangers talk going on um, Hockey at in all. general. There's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty quiet. I mean, there's been guys who've got like Mangiapane just got an extension. I saw that. They got him for 5.8. That's that's pretty nice. That's pretty nice deal for him. I feel like, I mean, he, he could easily be like a seven, $8 million guy. So I feel like that's a good, good move for them. What do you think? Yeah. I, I just think we are in the uh, official dog days of right, August, right? Right. Dude, yeah. I was saying it the other day, like, I, I think I tweeted it also. Is there a more like boring sports month than August? Like I, there's like really nothing like sure. NFL camps are starting and that's exciting. The hall of it's fame just game. baseball. Yeah. But it's just there's baseball nothing else. Like you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just baseball and like baseball is great and I love it. Obviously, you know, you're getting into it, whatever. But like August isn't that important of a month for baseball. Even it's like, you know, April, September and October are like the three important baseball months. So it's yeah, it really is kind of uh, lackadaisical. Right even now, just but, like uh, everyday life. I feel like August is just like not exciting. I I, I don't know if yeah. that's because like, all right, next month, September. And like that's when summer's officially over. I feel like it's I can't a, wait it's for weird in between. I know. Oh. Can't so wait for bored, hockey. Dude. I saw I uh I saw like an article the other day about Ryan Carpenter, how he like grew up, you know, such a big Rangers fan and stuff like that. And now he's gonna be our 4C and that was I, Vince, I right? Hear, yeah, yeah. And I love hearing those stories from like like you know, him, Foxy, like we're getting all these homegrown guys, and I love to see that. I hope he uh, you know, I hope he does well here. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Do you do you have anything else you want to cover? Should we just like rip it with Mike? I just thought it was pretty funny. I actually saw, I don't know if you follow Matty Jack. He's like a big Ranger. I don't, I know the name. Yeah. I've uh, seen, I've seen like some stuff, you know, with him in like other stadiums in the background and stuff like that. But I don't know if he bought it, but he like tweeted a picture of like Foxy's Long Island goals Jersey, which oh is my like gosh. the youth team. Like I grew up playing for and it was like so funny to see him like tweet that. I just thought that was pretty funny. And then Foxy's actually playing in a, uh, a charity game on Saturday. Obviously you're listening to this and, and it's Monday, but there's a big like Long Island uh, charity game Saturday. Sonny Milano's playing, Shane Pinto's playing, Foxy's playing, and a couple other you know pro guys from around the area. I don't think McAvoy's playing, but uh, there definitely is a good turnout. Obviously, you can't go watch it now because you're listening on Monday. Yeah, we are recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do on Sundays. This is uh, Thursday. We're recording this just because we both have really busy schedules coming up. Sure, so everyone we, cares. Yeah, sure, it's sure it's a huge cares. deal. I'm sure a lot of you will Probably. be outraged. That it's not Sunday, but yeah, if I think you ever watch movies like Johnny would be the guy. Like if you ever watch Scream, he would be the guy who like makes it so dramatic when the killer is coming, and then like the killer is slowly coming after him, and he's like throwing things out of the way, and the knife is like right in front of him to stab the killer, but he like looks at it and he's like, "No, nah, forget it," and like starts running away, and then just there's gets- got to be a better analogy than that. Dude, I, I don't know. Man. I don't know if there is. I just picture you. I just think about when you left your laptop there on that bed and forever you're just, you know. Damn, that's that's dark. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. All right. If it makes you feel better. All right. We'll we'll do like you would be the guy. Well, what are you trying to say? I'm so confused. Like I I I I exact I I'm dramatic. I was saying you're yes, I was saying you're dramatic and you're like, you know, it has I'm routine to be. based, routine based. I mean, so am I, but all right, man. That's with your meal prepping. We can uh we can scrub that if you'd like. But <laughs> I was just saying you would be the guy who like sees the killer, watches the killer kill someone, sees a knife right next to you, and then like 
has 800 things going on that you're just like, oh, no, forget the knife and you just run away. I still don't. What are you trying to like? What are you, what are you trying to relate this to? I'm trying to relate it to that you're a bitch. Oh, okay. Nice. Why didn't you say so? <laughs> because I don't want to call you a bitch, man. I'm just so confused. As to what. <laughs> so one plus one is three, and yeah. that's about it. Fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of strike three, did did you see yesterday a guy in the baseball game got four strikes and they just like let him go? What? He struck, he struck out. And Dude, no, what game? In in the Astros game, Jordan I did not Alvarez, see that. Nobody noticed. He struck out. And then they just kept pitching to him. And then he ended up grounding out. But yeah. How does that happen? Nobody knows. (laughs) Literally no one knows. Yeah, no, I did not see that. I haven't really, I I like, I actually watched baseball. I forgot what night we were talking where the Yankees and Mets, like both played really good. I think it might've been not, it was Scherzer was pitching. And I think the Yankees beat the Mariners. Oh yeah. Um, But that's like really, like that was the first time I think all summer I've watched like a full baseball game. I think it's just like, it's fun. Like I, when, when it's a like fun game, I enjoy it obviously, but dude, I actually, well, I watched the Yankee game. You went to that day game against the Mariners. Cause I knew you were there. So I was like, Oh, I'll have it on the TV while I work and I know six, nothing in the first inning. I was like, damn, Cody, you should have just worked. <laughs> I know. I know. Fuck you. Cool. Um, but wait, let me ask you a question as a, as a baseball fan and as a hockey fan, what's worse to be in the seats for like a six nothing baseball blowout or like let's say the rangers go down four nothing in the first period like dude hockey what's worse. is hockey for me because baseball, it's got to be hockey right yeah because baseball it's a lot easier to come back right like yeah the yankees were down six nothing and then they scored three runs before they ended up losing but like they gave you hope like whatever if you're down four nothing in a hockey game especially like for me the rangers you watch that first period, you go down four nothing, like that Canucks game I went to. Oh, you was, were at that game? I was at that game, and it was Ugh. just miserable. And I it ruins the entire mood. You're just like, great, I just wasted all this fucking money on tickets. And then on top of that, you're just like, I don't even want to leave because then because then what they do and what the Rangers do especially is the Rangers love losing games like four to three, five to four. So they will specifically score <laughs> three goals and then and then crush your heart and not complete the comeback so like for me it would definitely be hockey hurts more because i i don't know i mean the the yankees are like literally i mean i guess the rangers are the comeback kids too but the yankees like they lead the league by far in like most come from behind victories they're down every single game and then in the seventh eighth ninth they just like score and score and score runs so i I don't know um you know what's interesting about that game though that canucks game because my friend george uh, who you probably met at the, the 13th step that night, but mm-hmm. he's not from New York. He moved to New York a year ago. And his first time in MSG was that Rangers Canucks game. And he was like, dude, MSG is so sick. I was like, well, you went to the worst fucking game possible. Like you should see a playoff game. It's way cooler. And I think he actually, we, you met him at game seven. He was my friend before we walked into the garden. If you remember meeting him like briefly. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his second oh, yeah, time yeah, in MSG yeah, yeah. was you, wait was, is he you is that UMass guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he wore like a UMass hockey shirt to the yeah. game yeah yeah <laughs> like a loser but um, yeah his second time in MSG was that playoff game and he was like dude there's like no atmosphere better like it was the sickest thing but well, I yeah, think it's I, it's, it's so it's, cool uh, though like people that aren't from here that like even see like a terrible hockey game at MSG just like feel that energy you know it, yeah it's I mean there's different. nothing. I wouldn't say there's like anything in my sports realm that could possibly equate to like the Rangers goal song when, when there's a goal and it's just the whole crowd, like even if you're down to nothing or whatever it is, I mean, it just changes the whole atmosphere you're in and don't get me wrong. A home run is awesome in, in Yankee stadium, any Mm. stadium like baseball, whatever, but there's just nothing like that MSG goal. Everybody just loses their absolute mind. Rick, even if you're the only time I feel like fans don't go absolutely nuts is if it's like a four goal game, right? Like they're down four, whatever. Like even if you're down three to nothing or like four to one, five to two, whatever the Rangers, like they score a goal and everybody's still going nuts, you know? Yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. true. It, I mean, it is a lot to do with that goal song. It is just like so catchy and so fun. But I'm trying to think of like other sports that could like, like what's what will be the worst sport to be at a blowout for? Like I I feel like baseball football, is the best dude, though. No, yeah. football is by far the worst, man. You're taking from a sad Jets fan, dude. Uh-huh. You're you're at a game and your your team's losing thirty five to seven. It's miserable on every single front. Yeah. And football's football games are like the most expensive too. So it's like 
it's just miserable on every front when your team is getting blown out and and so on. But uh, let's go Jets, baby. They should yeah, be. We're, uh, here, we're what a month away from football. Yeah, yeah, five, yeah. five Sundays draft, away, maybe. NFC draft's about to kick off. Yeah, my play? draft's not till like the like. You play? Do you know three players' names in football? Yeah, I I actually I forgot who I was talking uh, about this with. I'm a Giants fan, but I couldn't name five players in the Giants. I, I was just gonna say it was interesting how you just danced around the question, but it's no. Fun. Well, I just admitted. I literally just admitted it. I I almost dig myself in a deeper hole. Like I, I actually I could probably name more players in the Mets than I can the Giants, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could name you Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay. Galladay. Um, and Sills. Uh, Tony. Sills. Wait, 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 wait. And uh, no, no, no. The guy that just got Trayvon. Boom. That's five. Trayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. And that guy Sills, right? There's a wide receiver. Can no. tell you, I'm a Jets fan. I can name you all the Jets players, but yeah, I need to get more into like football. I'll get you into it. You I like come. betting on it, but I don't really follow it. We'll make you some buffalo chicken dip, and we'll we'll watch. That's the best. Buffalo. I love buffalo chicken dip, but I think we're getting way off topic. So we okay, should... yeah, let's just send it to Mike. Yeah, right. we're gonna send it to Mike McKenna. <laughs> this week on the Blue Crew, we're really pumped to have on a new guest, a guy who played 14 years pro and is now an NHL analyst with the Daily Faceoff, involved in the game in many facets, and a Twitter OG. Welcome to the show. Our friend Mike McKenna. Mike, what's going on? Hey, I appreciate it. And it's uh it's hard to believe Twitter OG, man. Like that was 2010s <laughs> with like a dozen years. I can even remember playing in Norfolk, Virginia, 2008, 9. And I think the team approached me like, hey, we, we've got a team Twitter account. I don't think you've probably heard of it, but would you be willing to do this and maybe help us? I was like, I don't know if that's the direction I want to go. Within a year and a half later, I was all in on it and built my brand on it. So <laughs> I mean it shows how quickly things changed. Twitter is the best. And I kind of want to start there because I remember in high school, it was so rare that professional athletes were actually like putting themselves out there. And and someone like you now who's so involved in media, and I know we'll probably talk about it, that you wanted to do your own podcast when you were playing. But do you almost wish for a sense that you were playing or, or coming up in your career like right now, as opposed to when you started your career? Because I feel like you're a guy who really does put himself out there and, and your social media brand, if you were still playing, would have been insane. Yeah, it's tough to say because like I was kind of at the forefront of it, really. Like when you look at players that actually utilize the media, myself and and Biz were kind of two of the first to be willing to do it. And um, both of us got shut down at different points by the teams we were playing for. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I was in the Devils organization for a couple of years, and you can imagine how that flew with Lou when he found out first what Twitter was. He didn't even know what it was, uh, and then he found out some of the minor league guys were using it, and um, he wasn't thrilled with that. But I can remember telling people though, like 2011, 2012, this isn't going away. This is here to stay, and you can monetize this. This every single player you're going to see have their name attached to a handle. And none of the old schoolers wanted to believe that they wanted to control it. They wanted to all keep it in house and hockey was so slow moving like a glacial pace to accept social media. And it's still funny for me to see it now that a kid gets drafted and they'll put his Twitter handle up on the screen. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a decade ago, man, it would have been kryptonite to do that. And I took it all from racing, man. I'm a huge IndyCar fan and IndyCar was one of the first sports that really took social media to the next level because I started to follow all the drivers. Cause I wanted to see what was going on in the teams mm. and wow, like they're out there, they're using it, they're branding, they're, they're, you know, they're making money off of this stuff. I was like, why can't we do that in hockey? And so that was kind of where it started from, for me. And, you know, if, if it was now, like, I don't know how much different because I'm just like, I was a third goaltender, you know, third string goalie. I don't think my notoriety would be a whole lot different than what it is now. And, and there are decent enough players out there that are using it for the right reasons and, and can, you know, kind of gain a following off of it. I think I'd probably get lost in the shuffle right now. Whereas yeah. early on, I was, you know, kind of looked to like, wow, here's a guy who's actually utilizing it. The teams are doing a good job doing it, though. I see like the devils and the stars just like chirping fans and stuff. It's Canes, pretty hilarious. The Canes are doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said the other day that Marty Brodor was like not a top 10 goalie and, and like the devil's Twitter Flat account like, went after <laughs> this guy. It was so I mean, funny. How can you even say something like that? You know, like you're, if you say something like that, you're a lightning rod and you deserve to get it. And that's one <laughs> thing I think is, I think is fun about Twitter. And that's part of the reason why I think hockey was so slow to adapt and accept it was that you have the opportunity to defend yourself and go after people and, and you kind of have to do it in the right way. Right. Like mm -hmm. you, it's easy to dunk on people and look like a total dick. And sometimes they probably deserve that, but you got to try to massage the message a little bit. So there's a skill to that. 
you know, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong, man, when somebody comes at me in some way, like I absolutely will fire back, but <laughs> it usually takes me 10 to 15 minutes and two to three different tweets and deletes before I'm comfortable with what I think is one going to bury that person, but two do it in a way that they just can't argue because I brought receipts and I wasn't, you know, like I say, a total dick about it. You take it real personally, huh? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so, you know what? I actually, I take it personally when I see like, not even myself, but people that just, that just don't have a clue. Yeah. Try to project that they understand how something works and they act like an authority on it. And, you know, at times it's like, if, if you don't want to listen to me or to somebody else who I've seen come back at them, it's a lost cause, man. And they need yeah. to hear it because otherwise they just perpetuate this garbage, you know, in different mediums online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've played as a goaltender at the NHL level for seven different NHL teams. Um, I'm sure more at the minor level as well, which was your favorite city to be in. And then also at some point, did you just pretty much have a permanent to go bag by the, by the fourth or fifth team that you just had on standby? Oh, uh, there's a reason why I've got a suitcase with wings tattooed to my leg. You do have <laughs> that, right? I remember you oh, saying yeah, that yeah. on chiclets. That's awesome. Oh, you can dig that up on my socials. It's out yeah. there. Um, and, and it was kind of the nod to my career where I don't have any, I have, a, I have a lot of tattoos, but I don't have any script on my body other than on my leg that had the date of my first pro game and the date of my last pro game. That's all I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it just kind of signified my career, but I did get to the point where I just accepted the fact that I was going to move around a lot. That's how it works. That's how, if you're a third string goalie, if you're a depth player in the minor leagues that gets the occasional call up, I'm not alone in this. You can find hundreds of players who have played the same role throughout all the positions. And it's just what it is, man. And, you know, I got to that point where I remember the one year I was in Portland, Maine, and I was leading the American league in every statistical category. And like by a lot, man, like it was January and I had like a nine thirty six or something. Like my numbers were like just jerking like that. Year. Okay. <laughs> through January. Yeah. And I was Arizona's property and they traded Devin Dubnik. So all they had was Mike Smith in Arizona. And it was me and kind of a revolving cast in Portland. Louis Domingue was one of them, but he'd only played a dozen games. He'd been in the coast for a little bit off of injury and the stuff. And I was like, man, this is it. Like, this is my chance, you know, and I was probably 31 or two at that point. And, and that's a late, that's late to get a chance. I oh, get yeah. that. You know, I'm fully aware that by that point I'd already been labeled. And that's the hard part. Once you get a label on you, you can't shake it at that age. As you know, he's a good, good American league goalie. We don't know about the NHL. So I go to Arizona and I didn't even get called up right off the bat. They took a guy who'd been injured for like the whole season. And he just happened to be there and they let him back up for a week. Who was uh, that? And then I've uh, Mike Lee. Great guy. Awesome guy. But he was hurt as can be at it. Like he would tell you he did not deserve that call up. Okay. And, and I don't mean that to be mean. It's just reality. It's like they yeah. needed a warm body and they took him instead. And I don't think he listens know. to our show. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike is an unbelievable. Maybe guy. he does. But, uh, but anyway, I get called up and I spent a month and a half, almost a month and a half behind Mike Smith. And I got one start in Colorado on the back end of a back to back. And, you know, we were down five, nothing after two. Yep. And we had like seven shots on goal through two periods. And Patrick was the coach. Patrick Waugh pulled Semyon Varlamov because he was getting cold and put in Red O'Barrow for the third period. That's <laughs> that's how bad we were that night. And I got flipped out for Louis Domingue, who'd played 12 games that year. And mm-hmm. if you look at the discrepancy, close, like it, it wasn't at all, but he was their prospect. Yeah. And I understood. And the thing is, I understood that. Like I got it. And, and at that point, that was when I realized like, it's never going to happen for me. I'm not going to stick in the NHL full-time, no matter what I do. It would have taken me getting, I would have had to play 30 games in the NHL lights out. Well, there is a lot of truth to to that, right? Like, like we've talked about it throughout the entire summer on our show, because obviously like Kako had not resigned. And, and we talk about Brennan Othman, this like upcoming prospect who just scored, Mm -hmm. you know, more than 50 goals in the OHL. And I've been harping on it that Drury, like Brennan Othman was Drury's first ever draft pick as GM. And like, he's going to have a more sense of loyalty to this prospect that he picked. Absolutely. It's such a big thing in hockey, right? That a lot of people don't understand. Like when you're a GM and you actually pick a guy that you want, like you're going to give that guy more opportunity, just like what they did for Domingue over you. Like, yeah, everyone has a sense of loyalty. That's only one example during my career. Okay. Like there are other times where a prospect was called up as opposed to me when, I knew I deserved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't need to rattle these off. You can go look at hockey database and the numbers and find these seasons. But you look at the career that some of these prospects have had after that, and you see why. 
Like yeah. they were legit prospects. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I was five, six years older. That's just, that's where I was, man. I was the, I was the, the call. I was the fill-in guy. You know, I was yeah. the layover. I was the layover in human form. We need a goalie for one year that could be a mentor and a good goalie partner and play some games. And that was me. But when you talk <laughs> about the loyalty aspect, yeah. teams will give a first rounder a hundred chances. Mm-hmm. Like they will make excuses for a first rounder. And even like with this draft jersey over my shoulders, Nashville Predators 2002. Such a filthy so jersey. Was, yeah, it's probably the worst jersey ever, but it's my really? draft I like jersey it. and I love it. It's mustard and it's uh, got the, the Star Wars, cat. Stars it's one brutal. More. But uh, so I was drafted by a, basically a different regime in Nashville in 2002. And by the time I came out of college in 2005, Paul Fenton had taken over. And guess what? I wasn't one of his draft picks. I had no prayer signing. And they also had some guy named Pekka Rene that they believed in. I don't know if yep. you've heard of him. Nah. So, <laughs> you know, long story short, Unreal. you really need an advocate in this game. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really hard to create an advocate. <laughs> I never was able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's so interesting, kind of that label aspect that you mentioned. And, you know, being a young goalie, being an older goalie, right now in the NHL, who would you say are a few young goalies in this league that you think has what it takes to win a cup? And then are there any in particular that you'd personally love to see like hoist the cup over their heads? Well, I think basically two thirds of the league has the ability to win a cup at this point. And a lot of people don't want to believe that because they just strictly look at numbers and they don't factor in how crappy a team can be in front of a lot of them. You know, like look at Alex Nedeljkovic in Detroit. That guy's a really good goalie. And that team was terrible for Mm -hmm. a third half of the season last year. And he still kept his save percentage above a nine. You know, Jake Allen kept a save percentage above a nine in Montreal with how bad his teams were. He's like a 904. Really? Okay. So like, that's like miracle work for those guys. You know (laughs) what I mean? And I think that people don't realize that. I mean, are there a couple goalies that are kind of head and shoulders above? (sighs) Maybe like Shishjurkin's kind of different planet right now and how he played last year. But you can go down the list of like four or five guys and, and people question them though. Like, oh, can Markstrom win a cup? Can Saros win a cup? Can all these, yes, they can all win a cup if the team plays well in front of them. They're like capable of that. Exactly. Like, and here's the thing. Kemper had a really, really, really good regular season. But what gets tainted by it was that the first quarter of the year didn't go well. Well, guess what? He changed teams, man. It's a new organization. It's new teammates, blah, blah, blah. And then in playoffs, I mean, he, he had to go to the ophthalmologist every day, apparently, to be able to play. So really? like, it sounds like yeah. I'm making excuses for him, but he was one of the top goalies in advanced safe, advanced stats last year in terms of metrics. And I think the long story short, the point of this is that people don't realize that goaltending across the board nowadays is at a higher level than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But that's also why no one's ever happy with their goaltending because there's not this big delta anymore. It's not like you have Wah and Brodeur and Hashik and then everybody else you pretty much have goalies that are good enough and teams gets teams don't ever think their goalie's good enough and they search for something else when in reality their team isn't good enough but they're going to make the excuse with the goaltender and make a scapegoat out of them yeah well i mean the prime example of that and i know you wrote about today is that what you're about to say no Uh i'm going to say seattle because grubauer was a a vezina finalist two years ago and last year he goes to seattle and he was he wasn't like necessarily great but the team was dog shit i mean they threw well, the both bulls. of them were i mean like <laughs> listen grubauer wasn't here's the thing grubauer he wasn't, good. wasn't good last year either and then, this is the thing though is that he the way he could play with the colorado avalanche was very different than what he could have done with the seattle kraken mm-hmm. he's a guy who loves to play outside the paint loves to have a lot of flow in his skating for a team that wasn't good defensively like the kraken he got eaten alive because he couldn't recover yeah. in time he was too aggressive like he did not adapt but that's also why I think he'll be better next year. He's got a new goalie coach coming in and he's historically been a good goaltender. I would expect him to make changes and be better. But like going back to your Cody, going back to your question earlier, like I think Jake Ottinger is he's a stud. absolutely that's, next yeah. wave of goaltenders. Yeah, I think that Spencer, example. I think you give two or Spencer three years Knight. on Spencer Knight. Yeah. And he'll be right there. People want these guys to be good immediately. He's 20 years old. Okay. Like I was a backup goalie in college or a one B in college at 20, you know, so give a little runway to those dudes. And I think they're going to be awesome. Um, but, but there's more of them around the league. It's just, you're looking 23, 24 years old before you really get to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you have any stories of uh, you getting any star? I tried to look it up, but did you get ever like an appearance in MSG? Did you play at, at all in the garden against the Rangers? Cause I tried to find I, a clip. Like I want, I really wanted to like chirp you and like find a goal where you get sniped at MSG, but I couldn't find anything on YouTube. Yeah. I allowed one goal in MSG and I can't remember who it was. It might've been Chris Kreider back then, but I'm not sure. 
Good player. Maybe Derek Step. You know, you know what? It may not have been Kreider at that point because it was 2013-14. It could have been Derek Stepan. I'm not sure who it was. Uh-huh. What happened was I came in in relief because Curtis Mack, I was with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Curtis uh-huh. McElhaney mm. could not continue to play past the first period. Now, ironically, Lundquist had already been pulled. He played the first period, allowed like three goals, and he was yanked for Cam Talbot. Wow. And so by the second period, you had – all four goaltenders in the game at this point. <laughs> and uh, it's rare, but I did like, so like my, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, they're diehard Ranger fans. Okay. They're from Queensbury, New York, up by Lake George, you know, Saratoga up those mm-hmm. parts. And they were there and they thought they were just going to watch me back up. And so we ended up winning the game three to two. I, I know I allowed one goal in the third period. And actually like, I know I played pretty well. I was, I was really happy with it. And I remember coming out and they were just white as a ghost, man. Like yeah. they were just like, I can't believe that just happened. And I'm like, I know I can't either, man. I'm an American <laughs> kid. And I'm looking up at the ceiling in MSG, just going, this is so cool, man. Yeah. Like that's amazing. You think, about, you think about place you wanted to play as a kid, dude, MSG is like top of the list for an American. So to, even though I wasn't the, I didn't get the win on the score sheet because mm-hmm. of, you know, the game winning goal right. was scored with McElhinney and that. I'll still take that as a win. And man, it was, it was really cool to be there. Probably yeah, got the I, game puck. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think I have it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, just, just being a fan in MSG, I, I couldn't even imagine playing it. I would, I would definitely allow more than one goal. But, yeah. Um, my pants. yeah <laughs> it's but, a special place, dude. It really is. <laughs> but we can, we could talk about, you know, your career all day, but I definitely wanted to get into the media side of things and, you didn't retire that long ago. You retired in 2019 and six months later, Vegas saw something in you as, you know, a TV analyst. Did you know immediately you wanted to get into TV and media like towards the end of your career and stay around the game? Or was it something that just like came out of nowhere and, you know, fell into your lap? Uh, I definitely had an eye on it my whole life, really. I mean, I didn't think I had a prayer making the NHL as a player. That didn't even enter my head until way late, man. Like, I was from St. Louis. No one had ever made the NHL from here. I didn't even know how to get to, like, junior or college. It just kind (laughs) of kept happening, you know? And I remember meeting Darren Pang when I was probably a Bantam or maybe in juniors at a blues game. And he was in working with ESPN and my dad brought me down to meet him. My dad's an office official in for the NHL in St. Louis official scorer. And I just remember meeting Panger and just be thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever, man. This guy is, he's so cool, man. Like he's describing stick blades on air and curves and players skating. about like, I actually thought at that time I have a better chance of making it as like an analyst than a player. And I don't know why that was a kid's dream, but I, uh-huh. I kind of held on to that. And it's funny because I didn't go to school for media at all. Like I wanted to do three plus two engineering. First week of physics class, that dream was dead. Yeah. And then I had, <laughs> yep, and then there. I pivoted. Yeah. And then I pivoted to doing economics. You know, we didn't have business at St. Lawrence. We didn't have communications at St. Lawrence. It's a liberal arts school. So what I could do was host a radio show. Mm-hmm. So I did that on Case Lou for two years, hosted a two hour block on Monday nights, Monday night metal. While you're playing and, D1, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's man. Amazing. And, but I had a, but I had a, no one knew who I was for a while, only my teammates. Right. Uh-huh. And so, but it was just oh, my anonymous. hobby, man. It was, it was my side, dude. I loved it. Yeah. And like best class I ever took at St. Lawrence was stagecraft. When I built the sets for all the plays, like, dude, I learned carpentry, welding, electronics, like you name it. That's the most useful class I took. I uh-huh. T8 it, man. And that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So. It was always in the back of my head, but I came out and played in the ECHL for two years and I right. made the American League. And like, I wasn't naive to the fact that you pretty much need a name if you're going to do this, you know, unless you start like way early and have communication background to it. And we didn't have social media back then to really vault yourself. So when social media came around, that's when I realized this is my gateway. I can leverage this. And then even like when I was in Peoria, I was using windows movie maker to fit, to do <laughs> like vignettes and movies of when we'd go do charity appearances with the boys and girls club or the humane society. Mm-hmm. And I'd splice all these videos together with pictures and still frames and interviews. And I do the interviews myself and in you know, long story short, that stuff kind of all came together. Like I kept writing throughout my pro career too, Engel magazine, other stuff. And then my last year pro NHL.com asked me after the season ended to start writing for NHL.com in the playoffs so I was breaking down goaltending and playoffs. I got a hit on NHL Network in front of the Scott Trade Center, which is now Enterprise Center in St. Louis with, you know, with, with Raddick and Redmond and Grimson. And like, that was the moment I knew I could do it. 
Yeah. Because I sat on that stage and crushed it and I knew it. And I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know. I didn't even bother with cameras. I was just myself. I was loose. I had done a bit of homework and I was ready for it and nailed it. And I think that kind of parlayed into what I got with Vegas where they thought, wow, here's a, you know, a young guy right out of the game that he maybe could do this. And they saw something in me and got that chance to go on air for a couple of years for the golden Knights. That's amazing. I know we talked about it when, uh, you know, we had our like phone call last week about the camera stuff. And it's, it's so true. Like when you're thrown into like a live on air situation and, and you have no background on it, like you have no idea where the fuck you're supposed to look like none. I, I feel like you should tell that story <laughs> a little bit. Cause it's, it's really so yeah. funny. And, you know, I sent you my reel, obviously. And the first thing you noticed was like, yeah, you had no idea where you were looking. Right. And I was like, nope, not a clue. <laughs> yep. Well, and here's the thing, like the first thing you need to look for is can somebody be comfortable on air? And I could see that with you right away. And I obviously, if I look back at my NHL or at the NHL network click that I had, I, I'm still kind of blown away that I did that. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's like, man, this really worked, you know, I get it. Um, but I think all of that technical aspect stuff really makes you look good on air when you know where to look, when you know how to address cameras, when you know how to address the people that you're working with and you'll get conflicting information on that. You know, like I, I had, like we worked with AT&T Sportsnet in Vegas, you know, and the producers there were very much like, we're talking to the audience. You want to talk to them. You know, of course you want to acknowledge the person that you're speaking with on set too, but talk to the audience. Well, whereas some of the old schoolers in media just wants you to talk to that person yeah. and just casually bring in the third. And that's not me. I want to talk to the people. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I want them to understand what I'm saying and me to make eye contact with them and draw them in and make them part of this. So that was one thing. But another part of it was that I can walk and chew gum like they wanted a lot of times wanted to kind of slow walk things. OK, well, let's get you on air first and comfortable. Then we'll worry about the cameras and stuff. And I'm like, man, people are not going to take me seriously if I'm just staring off into space all the time. Tell me where <laughs> to look. And I will fucking make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, tell yeah. me where to look. Cause all it was, was like, here's your red light, you know, and you got somebody in your ear. It's going to tell you, go look at the tally. Now look at the other one. Boom. Perfect. Now I look like a pro because I look like a pro. I feel even more confident in my delivery. You know, all these things come together. So it's funny how like, there's kind of a hesitancy to over teach people coming into the media where I don't think they give ex players enough credit, man. Like mm-hmm. what I had to do for a living as a goaltender, like I had to make it microsecond decisions over and over and over again over the course of an hour while trying to keep my cool. I can handle talking and knowing where to look if you tell me, right? right. So, you know, those are kind of the things that you run into with media where, you know, if if you find people you're on the same page with, dude, it's, it's awesome. It's so much fun because you get better really quickly. And ultimately the most fulfilling things in life are when you can feel yourself improve and you get to that level where you're just comfortable and you're having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And adding a little bit to that with these recent TV deals uh, for the NHL, obviously, you know, Turner, ESPN and so mm-hmm. on. How, how much would you say uh, from an inside perspective, the game of hockey has evolved today now that we have, you know, a major platform for everyone to really watch the game that obviously we all love? And it's a whole lot different than 2005 coming out of the lockout right. being on the outdoor <laughs> network. OK, OLN that turned into Versus, which yeah. thankfully turned into NBC Sports like Hockey's on the big stage. It's still a niche sport in the United States, but I, I really think that, I mean, being on ESPN is a big deal because then you get sports center. Okay. And people watch that ESPN is a big property. It's owned by Disney. Yeah. It's everywhere. The reach is huge. But for me, the big thing was bringing in TNT and the creativity that came along with it in the way that they've presented the game. And, you know, full disclosure, I worked a game for TNT and playoffs between the benches, what we call that ice level. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Which L- game was that? Out. Game three, LA versus Edmonton. Oh, uh, sick game. First, you know, first round of playoffs. And so uh, Edmonton racked up like nine goals. Yeah. <laughs> it was nonstop, man. Um, but it, I just think that they've done such a service to the game and bringing, you know, what we what we feel in a locker room and the fun that we have. And it's, it's just, it's biz driving all of it, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. but you need the right people surrounding Liam McHugh has been fantastic. Like the chains are off him, man. He can have fun and do what he pleases, you know, yeah. and, and they're not afraid to go in tangents and tell, tell the story of the game. And that's kind of what I found that I didn't realize through NBC sports, how stale it was a lot of the time and how it was just talking about the game and just analyzing the game. And I'll tell you from an analyst perspective, man, that gets old so fast you can only describe a play that's similar so many times 
when you can bring in other elements and relate it to things that you've done, like Wayne Gretzky or Tockett, or on the ESPN panel, when you've got Weeksy up there or Boucher who have all done this, that's big picture stuff, man. And that's what makes it compelling. So I, I think we're in a way better place in terms of media and coverage. Um, it's just, you know, trying to get eyeballs on it, man. Like I, viewership's up. I would sure like to see more of a weekday presence uh, and even weekend. I'd like to yeah, see something awesome. more nationally. You know, I, I wake up every morning and I'm, I'm a basketball fan. I'm somewhat of a, not like a really big football fan, but I enjoy the, I, but I enjoy the discussion. I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Like I, I get up and I watch first take from 10 to 12 while I'm working. Like I have first take on in the background and during the NHL season, it was the point. So right. like, all I'm craving and, and the NHL network's great, but you know, the daily faceoff, I know you guys have a daily stream as well, but all I'm craving is like that personality that first take that like i can't wait to hear what this guy has to say in the morning about this play last night like that's what we're missing right like he's that, talking about you yeah, you just I'm you just want to know that somebody's all horned up to go get that puck in the corner like when when this <laughs> said that on air i couldn't believe it. i couldn't believe they was, ran with it. and then dying. they took it to the next level and i was like this is it this is a turning point right like people yeah. are finally getting it but this is the easiest way for me to put it i have friends of mine in st louis where i'm from where i live that I would consider to be, I'd say, diehard Blues fans. Okay, when they won the Stanley Cup, man, it was mayhem around here. Mm -hmm, We're yeah. talking fireworks, pots and pans, people spray painting the yard with a blue note. Like it was insanity. They're not hockey fans, I would say, as much, right? And they wouldn't really watch a lot of the national broadcasts during the week or until playoffs. That's changed because they got it. They got one taste of what Biz was doing on TNT and that <laughs> crew, and it's like, man. I can't wait to see what he says next, or I can't wait to, to watch them because they're entertaining. And that's what, that's really all. So it's like F1. Nobody watched F1. I watched F1 because I like racing, but all of a sudden everybody's watching F1. Why? Because there's a Netflix show and all of a sudden you've got arguing human beings and it's compelling to them because there's arguing human beings. And now it makes me understand why my wife and every other, you know, people watch like real housewives. They, people just love <laughs> to watch people argue, dude. Yeah. I don't. Drama is the best. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, people want to watch it, I guess. No, that is true. I mean, like, honestly, I, I didn't get the whole hype on the Kardashians, but I used to watch all the time. My ex-girlfriend and I kind of watch like alone now. It's it's like a entertaining. Kinda... <laughs> well, I'm Jersey well, Shore. We, we're Love Island. Jersey Shore. We're Love yeah, Island. That's my guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah. Love Island all day. You guys got to check that out. Also, yeah. it's, the, it's the spirit of competition, right? Like you kind of like you got to get it in those shows. Yeah. Like it's kind of yeah. fun. But I, I want to talk about personality a little bit more because, you know, obviously, as you know, we talked about the media and as these different media outlets evolve like the players will evolve right like once mm -hmm. they're heard and i forgot who was saying it on our show um but like once like jack hughes is heard more he'll just want to talk more and same with trevor zegris and a lot of controversy in this offseason has come from that this kid isaac howard who was taken in the first round by Tampa. Awesome. So i think it was awesome. fucking amazing right i yeah. love it i fucking love it like you know you know why i do I Why? want that kid on my team because he's not afraid of the big stage agreed i fucking he's got love the it. confidence to step out and be yeah. himself and there's people in hockey, the old schools are all be like, oh, he just wants attention. Look yeah. at this attention. Oh, oh Yager. Like, dude, Yager had the mullet. Gretzky <laughs> had a turtleneck, huge cuffs of Jofa and blue tucks on his skates and a chrome stick. And we're talking about a kid wearing an American flag belt buckle with a suit that would have been fine in the 70s. And he's selfish. Are you kidding me? No, he's not afraid to have fun. That's the player I want to have in my room, man. And I, I can't stand how stale we are at times because we hold ourselves back in hockey. And, and look at this here where you've got a player willing to do that. What players a lot of times don't understand and they're scared to death at interviews and they don't say shit. They just go up and repeat the same stuff. Why? Mm -hmm. That's all they've ever heard. And they think that's mm -hmm. what's expected. And what players don't understand, and I would love to do media classes on this with them, is that they are in control of the interview. It's not the person asking the questions that's in control. You always have a right to tell the person that's a completely inappropriate question, but I'd be love to answer your next one. Yeah. Or that's a question for somebody else that maybe ask them that, but I'm happy to move another way. You can take a question anywhere you want, you know, and, and that's where like the media training, I, I think is really important for, for players to understand that, that, you know, you're in control and you can have some fun here. Let your personality show. Wink at the camera every once in a while, you know, mm -hmm. give the fans something to latch on to like Isaac Howard did. He was great. I, I'm really excited. Honestly, he's going to be a freshman. I think at Duluth this year, 
he's going to have a lot of attention on him in college. He'll bring a lot of attention to college hockey too. I think this year, just with that personality, I'm, I'm really excited to watch him. Um, Cody, did you want to take another one? Well, I was going to say, yeah. And also like Zegris is obviously elevating yeah. the game in the NHL today as well. So, you know, he's really good for the game too, right? You're, you're looking for the next set of, of these type of guys who now that we're on the big, big stage with, you know, TNT, ESPN, whatever, like you're looking for these guys to really come out and, and you want to yeah. appeal to those who don't watch hockey and don't love the game as much as we love to, to kind of like get them in on that a little bit. What kind of has been tough for me to wrap my head around and I don't blame him for it whatsoever. Cause I, I think, and the person I'm going to mention is one of the greatest of all time. It's Sidney Crosby. Like, Sid, by all accounts of everybody I know that's played with him, that's been his friend, amazing guy, works like crazy, likes to have fun, all these things. You really wouldn't know anything about Sidney Crosby. He doesn't have a social platform. He doesn't really speak when, unless he uh -huh. has to, you know, yeah. and I think it's actually worked to his detriment, man. Like there's mm -hmm. people out there that think he's nothing but a crybaby, And like, that's not who that person is, you know, when you know this from the inside. But again, you can kind of direct your own story right? Look at Roberto Luongo. People had no idea how funny that guy was mm -hmm. until his undercover Twitter account came about. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And, and he built a brand off of it that was really good. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that more catch on. I'm hoping more goalies do because goalies are the ultimate. Nobody wants to talk to a goalie on a game day. Like they still won't interview a goalie between periods. They won't do it. Like somehow that's going to throw a goalie off that they talked between periods. My God, they're going to suck the next period. No, it's no different than anybody else. It's just taboo. And there's a lot of taboo left in hockey. I'm I'm actually like cracking up that you mentioned Crosby because like Ranger fans are probably the biggest fan base to advocate for Crosby being a crybaby. <laughs> like That's what I mean. Yeah, like that, like, but like perception's reality, man. Yeah. Like he could change all that around if all of a sudden he started a Twitter account and actually showed who he was. Can you just right? imagine like that's just not who he, <laughs> Yeah, I know. But that's not who he is. And Jeter I get started that. Doing not it. everybody is like that. Yeah. You say well, a lot. That wasn't no, actually said, him. No, I said Jeter started oh, doing Jeter, it. Because Jeter, Jeter, Jeter was like anti, you know, social media for the longest time. And yeah. his uh, documentary came out. I don't know if either of you have, watched any of it but it, it started coming out weekly and he's he like right before episode one came out on social media and now i i can't see enough tweets of the guy i mean it's mm, like yeah. you know and he's always been known as that guy who's like you know the play it cool like don't talk to me whatever and you get to see this side of him that you never saw so it's really cool to see that i just want to transition a little bit into like next season because i feel like we haven't really talked like current actual <laughs> hockey until just been like <laughs> the personality stuff but um, you know, obviously a lot of teams have made some noise this off season, like Ottawa, um, you know, being, I feel like the, the lead in that, is there a team that you kind of feel like might disappoint next year and not make the playoffs? And then who would be your sleeper team to make the playoffs? Because mine is actually one of your former teams. And I think the devils might surprise and, and make it because they just weren't healthy last year and they didn't really have the goaltending, but Vanacek is solid and they have a strong decor. They have talent up front. And Cody's laughing at me because he thinks they fucking suck. And I, I, just, no, like, I don't think they suck. I just, the Metro's <laughs> insane. Like yeah, who, who, yeah. who is coming out for that team to come in? I just don't see it. Like, I'm, I don't think they'll be bad by any means. Like, you know, they got Palat, great acquisition and, mm -hmm. and got a few other guys as well, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I mean, but I, John, me and Johnny text all the time and he's like tell, talking up the devils. Like I am they're, they're the next yeah, Messiah and I'm it. cracking up. I don't see it with the devils. <laughs> like, I, I honestly think I see a lot of what Dallas was like when Lindy Ruff, Ruff was coaching there. They're pretty loose up and down the ice. Like, I, I just Rangers don't think got they're it too. there yet. Rangers yeah, got it too. I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, I think Detroit could end up surprising. I really mm -hmm. do. Like, yeah. They made so many acquisitions to bring in. I mean, geez, first they bring in Derek Lalonde's head coach, who was the assistant with Tampa. That's obviously, it's gone pretty well for them the past couple of years, but just bringing in Huso and Perron and Olimata and, and I'm forgetting people. Andrew Cop. Yeah. Andrew Cop's the big one. Okay. He was sick for the Rangers. Talk about an underutilized player with Winnipeg, like center or wing. Like I love that player. I think range, I think Detroit could surprise and they've got another defenseman coming out of, uh, I believe out of Sweden. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Who's supposed to be like, we're talking like Headman 2.0 type of guy. So you're looking at having Cider and that player on the blue line. You still have Raymond up front with Larkin and Bertuzzi still there. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome lineup, I think. And I think they're going to grow. Uh, and Huso and Nadelkovic are both, to me, top, pretty top tier goalies. So um, I like them. You know, the team I think it's going to surprise. I think Vegas might still be in trouble. I, I think in trouble. That, 
I think that team now, when you look at that lineup, is not what it used to be. They don't have a pure scorer. Pacioretty is gone. They don't have the strength of lineup that they once had, and they got hurt players, and they don't have goaltending right now. Leonard may not be ready for the start of the season. Laurent Brassois isn't ready for the start of the season. So they're going to really be dealing with Logan Thompson in net, who, to me, played admirably well for them down the stretch. Mm -hmm. But he's green. You know, he's new. And I'm just not sure with that team if if they'll be – in the mix. It'll help with, help with Cassidy. Okay. There's two things with Cassidy. Cassidy runs a great power play. They need to fix that in Vegas. And he can also tighten things up defensively, but I, I have concerns out there with that club. If they're going to be back to what they once were, especially if they, if they lose one or two players again, like if they lose stone again, like they did last year, mm-hmm. I don't give them a whole lot of, whole lot of credit out there. They may be in trouble. I kind of agree with you on that Vegas take. I, I think for me, the team I think is going to surprise everyone and probably squeak in is is the Ducks. I mean, they got Klingberg, they got Vetrano, they got Strom, yeah. pair X Rangers. They made a lot of moves, and you know, obviously Zegers is going to get better. And um, they did lose Milano, which was kind of a weird weird move, I think. But and Getzloff is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. They did make some moves. I feel like they could be a kind of a sneaky team to maybe maybe steal one of those wild cards yeah i'd be surprised just because they're so thin right now and again like you you lose one of those players man you're in trouble but i really love vetrano like he's my kryptonite Mm. man i couldn't stop that guy american league nhl he's actually that on me i swear to god he was like my enemy (laughs) and i actually like i desperately want to have a sit-down conversation with with frank because like he buried on me (laughs) and we've had a couple of fun like back and forth on Uh social um so he's on my bucket list for my for when i do podcasts but same with um, us. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like, I like Strom a lot, but I'm not sure what he'll be like without Panarin out there. So they'll be okay. I think that Vancouver is a team that could surprise. Yeah, I agree. I, mm, I, yeah. I think, and kind of depending on what happens with Miller, but I, I do think that that's, if Boudreaux can kind of keep them on the pace that they were previously and Demko stays healthy and all that, they could surprise Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see any real wheelhouses. The Pacific in general to me is just kind of, it's kind of blah, you know, yeah. like yeah. Calgary, Edmonton, those teams pretty much are shoe-ins to me. And I think LA is kind of knocking on the door, but beyond those three, you know, Vegas, who knows, like it's, it's pretty murky out there in the West. I mean, the East, you can't argue like eight teams over a hundred points make the playoffs. Like that's, I don't even, has that ever been done before yeah. to last year? Like that was insane. It's tough to break through in the yeah. East, man. It really Crazy. is. Like, I mean, look at Philly. Philly's going to suck this year. Like they're going to be bad. They are like, they just, at some point, if it's not working, how do you, how can you possibly have Johnny Gaudreau on a silver platter and not move the money out? I don't care what it would cost. That's a, that's an organization changing player. And at least it gives your fans a message that you're trying, yeah. right? you know, that's kind of tough to take if you're in Philly. Yeah. Are you cool with one more each? Let's go. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. Yeah. I'm, you know, we are, we are a Rangers podcast. So I'm going to ask you a Rangers question here. Um, so the Rangers had a fantastic year this past season, obviously, you know, top, top four team essentially. So what do you think needs to happen for them to build on the season they had and either make or win the cup next year? I think a lot of it really revolves around, Philip Heedle and how much he continues to progress. Cause man, in playoffs, he looked like a world beater, like looked awesome, right. you know? And that's where, you know, you're, you're losing Strom and you're going to have to fill in those minutes. Right. And, and I, whether who it is, I think Heedle matters a ton in Lafreniere to me. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. And I know Trocek is obviously slated to take those minutes away, but I still think you need that depth to perform. Like if you get the Heedle from playoffs all year long, Dude, that's a one, two, three in that lineup that I'm pretty scared of. You know yeah. what I mean? It's center. And, and I really believe that your centerman a lot of times drives traffic. And especially when when Lafreniere and when Kako were their best. When when were they their best? When Heedle was his best, right? Like yeah. he's the driving force for that yeah. a lot. So and I think Lafreniere is going to take steps forward this year as well. So to me, that's really that's kind of the yeah, you hope so, right? I mean, <laughs> they, they generally do yeah. uh, as they get older, like that. But I, I think that that you know, that third line scoring, if it can round out, if it can grow into what the Rangers expect is going to make a big difference, but they do also have to tighten up defensively. Like Shesterkin covered up an awful lot last year. And this isn't just a personnel matter, you know, like I, I like the Rangers defensive core. Um, I think there's players who probably don't get enough credit for what they do. Like I would never want to play against Jacob Truba. I think he runs it right to the limit. He's mm-hmm. laid hits that I think should be outlawed from the game, but they're legal. <laughs> and if I were him, I'd do the same thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So 
I, I think they've got to tighten up a bit. And I know, and Turk, man, I've, I've played for Gerard Gallant. I love that guy. I think he's a great coach, um, but his teams can freewheel. And if you're just going to rely on Shashirkin to keep bailing you out, you're still running the risk because you get the playoffs and you see how tight teams can be defensively if they're going to win. And yeah. that's really the next progression. And it can come with maturity. So I'm sure Turk's also hoping that his younger players are going to continue to learn how to defend as they get older in the league. Yeah, that makes sense. And and one guy you should keep your eye on, Mike, is uh, if he does end up playing for us, as we all say, is Vitaly Kravtsov. Because mm-hmm. he, he uh, you know, he's a very talented young guy. And if he comes out guns blazing, I mean, I, I think that's another just really big top nine threat for the, for the boys. So. Yep. I agree. And he's been, he's an interesting case, right? Cause he's kind of been in purgatory for a little yeah. bit and, mm-hmm. um, and you never know, frankly, like some Russian players come over and just kill it. Right. And other ones, like it just kind of never clicks and, and you're hoping for that, you know? So if, if he can come over and do that by all means, that's a huge addition for that team, but you're going to need more than just one player. You need three or four of them to go to the next <laughs> level. <laughs> definitely agree. I actually have two more if that's allowed. Yeah, let's go. Johnny does this and <laughs> well, they're so also just baby. They're completely different. So He's like, like, I hate to be that guy, yeah. but I love to be that guy. <laughs> but they're they're completely different. And I'm gonna start with this because you know, I'm sure if you ask 95% of the fans, like they want to get rid of the shootout, they want three on three to be like 10 minutes long. It's so fun, it's so exciting. But from a goalie's perspective, is the shootout really fun for goalies? Because that's like the one time where, you know, the goalie can like sell or have the spotlight really on them. Like goalies get shit on all the time. And this is the one chance in hockey where you have the chance to like be the hero, you know, like all the goalies love doing their little selly after their shootout winning save. So would you want the chance off? And I love the shootout, but I only loved it because I was pretty good at it and Uh I knew it was a part of the game. And, and I'm, I'm, Actually, I'm right-handed, believe it or you're not. Southpaw, so I did, yeah, yeah. You're southpaw. but I'm right-handed. I can't. I play. Oh, really? I, I throw a baseball with my right hand. Southpaw's lefty, Johnny. If you didn't no, know, he he yeah. his, his goalie <laughs> glove on his right hand. In goalie terms, we call that full right. Uh, so I catch a puck. Right. I catch a puck with my right hand and a baseball yeah. with my left, and I do everything in re- in life right-handed. So uh-huh. interesting. Um, but that also let me shoot the puck better than anybody as a kid because I shot the same way as I played forward, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of the Canadian goaltenders that are good puck handlers, um, but the opposite direction. I like the shootout because I was good at it. I don't like the shootout in hockey. I still think we should decide it on the ice. I would love to see three on three for 10 minutes and just play right there with you. I really would. Um, You know, and the part that kind of sucks for goal is that you're going to end up, you're going to end up allowing a goal half the time. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's not always nice to your stats, but everybody's in the same boat. So what's a wash, man? Like I, I don't buy that argument from goalies where it's, they're afraid. If you're afraid of it hurting your stats, you need to take a look in the mirror, man. You're just afraid. (laughs) So, I, I agree. I, I think the injury factor, whatever, like these guys are such good athletes they are going to get hurt or not. If it's 10 minutes, I can't imagine there's many games left, but I do think you still have to have a winner. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, and you've seen it now teams will just, they'll regroup over and over until they get the perfect chance. So it's so playing boring. it out longer and longer. Mm-hmm. I've got better solutions than 10. I'd like to see it so that you just, I don't want any rules. I don't want to have rules. Actually. I I'm not kidding. I would not, once you drop the puck, all the lines are gone. No offsides. And no still three on three. Yep. Play a little that's, slam that's ball fucking, for the NHL. That would be wild. wild. I'm not yeah. kidding. Why not? We already crossed the bridge of going to three on three. Take the lines away. You'll see games end. And you'll see creativity, man. You'll see the Statue of Liberty play. You'll see teams go downfield. Like I've also seen people say, like, well, once you cross in the offensive zone, you can't take it back out. Okay, that's fine. Just get rid of the lines, man. Blow it up. That's what I want to see. I can't even imagine the game. Be, like, I'm trying to pitch. Trying to picture it in my head. I can't even. I, I'm picturing. Um, I'll picture it. Roller Hockey International. That's you what I was going to say. Well, that's that's four on four, though. Like, that's what I was three. going to say. Well, open it up even more. I'll take it. I, I think they should like think about the All-Star game last year. They were reviewing offsides in the All-Star game. Yeah, How stupid is that? <laughs> so stupid. Get rid of the lines. Just drop the puck and play, man. Pond hockey. My, my 8U daughter played pond hockey last year. I say we let the NHLers do it. It would be awesome. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't hate the idea. I always and, said they should do the lacrosse Braveheart style, like do three on three, two on two, one on one. If if there's that'd no, be that'd know. be talk about wild. Yeah. But but I was gonna say I was gonna add to your point, Johnny, because oh look who has another question. Well, well, no, it's it's on the <laughs> it's on the same same question, but basically, like I would argue, goalies make even crazier saves in three on three than they yeah. do in the shootout. Like there is there is 
speaking firsthand from watching Igor, like there has been some games where for a full five minutes, he was just taking shots on all angles. So it's like Toronto game. Yeah. So, I mean, I would argue the spotlights there as well, you know? Oh yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. And and it's like, I think everybody thought that the, at three on three goalies would start getting assists left and right. And they really can't because yeah. like you've got pressure on you right away. Right. Once you make a save a lot of the time, it's not like you can fire it downfield. You take those lines away though. You may just let your goalie make a save and just stay at the far blue. Well, your boy Smitty, Mike Smith had a fucking sick assist to McDavid this year. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that right he, like, down the pipe, like a one-handed backhand pass. Yeah. That was David wild breakaway. That was fucking oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, my last question, which is completely different, but you're, you know, a former college D1 guy, and and obviously everyone's talking about Arizona Coyotes playing at Arizona State. I've played there, which was like an awesome time to play. I, I think it's going to end up being like an amazing thing for the NHL. Are you like on that mindset, or do you think obviously it is fucking stupid? Like an NHL team should be playing in an arena, but I think every opponent is going to love playing there. What matters for me is if they fill the place. Mm-hmm. If they don't fill that place, it's a disaster. Yeah. And I've seen the ticket bad. prices and I'm like, like 275. I looked for the Rangers on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're trying to draw the Scottsdale crowd to Tempe to get a hold of a college. It's not going to be a college atmosphere there. You know, it's going to be your Scottsdale. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because if they fill that place, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It really will. I've been uh-huh. some of the most fun I ever had were in small American league and minor league arenas, man. Like you get six or 7,000 people in a building. That's that size. Dude, the loudest I ever experienced was Syracuse. And I think that place holds seven and a half. We had like 118 decibels. It was like a motorhead concert, man. Like it was so <laughs> loud and it was a great atmosphere. So mm-hmm. if they fill the place, okay. Um, players already like to go there. It just, it sucked going to Glendale. It's going to be way better to be able to actually stay in Scottsdale and, yeah, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, at least get a night out on the town before you head to Vegas or something, but oh, that yeah. stuff's never a given in the NHL anymore. Right. Like it's, it's pretty sterile now compared to like, especially early in my career. Okay. I have one more question. <laughs> Are you kidding? This is it. This is it. I got to cook. No, well, he mentioned, he mentioned the night out. So we got to ask your favorite night out as a player in New York city. Come on. Okay. Gotta, all right. That's fair. after your win. Did you go out and rip it up? You got to have something. You must've went to catch or. Uh, no, I'm not a big, right clubber, but I'll show, I'm not a big clubber, but I'll show up if everybody else does. We went, we did have rookie party in New York city. We started, <laughs> we started at Tau, and I can't remember where else we went. And that was a pretty fun night. That was with Ottawa. Um, but you know what? My favorite time in New York city was usually just like talking to some of my chef friends from around St. Louis and other places and asking them where to go eat, you know, and I'd take like two or three friends and try to scope out something that's a little under the radar because hockey players typically just go to steakhouses and nothing yeah. bores me more than a steakhouse and the <laughs> same chains in every city and oh, the molten lava cake. So good. No, <laughs> I want something different. So there's just, there's. Yeah, like man, there's just so many Prime rib. different good options in New York City. Yeah. Any ethnicity you want, anything modern, anything old school. And that's kind of my favorite memories, man. Even like for some reason I got lucky being called up. Like, you know, I never spent a full year in the NHL, but I got called up and was in New York City probably three or four or five times during my career. It just seemed to time out right. Mm-hmm. And I remember just even being there at Christmas time, just walking down and seeing the you know, the big the tree and in, in Rockefeller center, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's just cool, man. For somebody that's from the Midwest, it's still a fun experience to just, you know, be in the city, man, take a subway around a little bit, even if it's just for a night, something calm like that's really a lot of fun. Yeah. No, yeah. I love cool. it. Well, Mike, this was amazing, man. We, we truly, truly appreciate it for sure. And, um, you know, hopefully we, we would love to have you back on in the future. So you got it, man. I'm happy you guys asked me to come on. Appreciate yeah. it. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Mike. All right. Appreciate best of luck. Thanks, guys. Big thanks to Mike McKenna for joining us. I'm sure we're going to have him back on during the season. Not much really left to say, I feel like. Um, I think Cody and I might actually take next week off. I'm heading to Seattle for a wedding, so I won't really be around. Cody, I don't know if you have any big plans remaining in the rest of the summer. I mean, I feel like you always got something going on. I do, but not really. Just going out east. Um, I'm seeing OAR and Dispatch in a couple weeks, so that'll That's be pretty dope. Sp- yeah, that'll be a good time. Um, I, I love OAR. Jones Beach. Hey, girl, come with me. Whoa, Johnny with the pipe. Okay. I love OAR. They're dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a good time. But um, no, that's I, really it, man. I got a lot of stuff going on in like September, October, November. But like, like not, trips? 
not trips, just like we're moving. And then where are you moving to? We don't know yet. The apartment search sucks. Um, but then, you know, football's back and to Brooklyn couldn't, couldn't pay me. Really? Why not? It's just so far from everything, man. Well, where do you want to go? (laughs) Stand up, Reeside. Okay. Yeah. We got a lot, a lot to look forward to in the fall. I'm excited. I'm ready. I mean, summer's fun and I love summer, but like, I know. I know. I know. It's like you, you, everybody lives for summer and it's like July is amazing and then whatever. But then you get to a point in August where you're like, all right, now I'm ready for fall and some, you know, pumpkin spice lattes, Johnny's yeah. personal fave and, and stuff like that. So, and some football flannels. I love flannels. Yeah. I do. I do love the fall like style. Same, same, but my favorite styles. Yeah. My, yeah. My favorite style is probably winter, even though I hate the winter just because really? you wear sweats everywhere. Sweats yeah. in Canada goose, baby. But yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We want to thank Mike McKenna again, and we probably won't talk to you guys next week. So we'll talk to you in two weeks. And don't forget to send in any questions or hot takes, whatever you want, to bluecrewpod at gmail.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-R-E-W. I had to take a second to think about that. Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we love interacting with you guys. So, you know, please send those our way. But yep. love you guys. L-F-E-R, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.